So you guys like to game a lot, though. So oh. how does this all fit into it? Let's delve into why you game a lot. I want to know why. What are you, is this a digital pacifier on your voice? What is happening? Gosh. There was a moment of absolute silence. And then she's like, so you guys like to game? And I'm like, uh-oh. Here we go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Student Spotlight, a podcast that explores the highs and lows of student life with your host, me, Yasmin, a psychology and computer science student at the University of Toronto. Now, today, I'm joined by two classic late-night conversationalists. Our first mystery guest is a fourth-year computer science specialist and teaching assistant at the University of Toronto, Mississauga, aka UTM, who also researches online classroom strategies and education in computer science as she hopes to go to graduate school with the dream of becoming a teacher. Outside of her studies, she is the general manager of the Computer Science Student Society, a community determined to bring awareness to mental health, technology resources, and academic support to students at UTM. Now, this mystery guest is called Alexandra, as that is the Romanian version, aka, or the anglicized version is Alex, we call her Alex. And you can get in contact with her um, with the links in the description, including her LinkedIn. Now, our next mystery guest is a third year physics major, aka Stephen Hawking, with minors in math and CS at UTM. He's also a researcher at the Continuum Robotics Lab, an executive member of the Robotics Club, and similarly to Alexand- or Alexandra, hopes to enter a career involving research and education. Now, his true passion lies in physics, and he hopes to one day to be able to visit CERN as a distinguished professor. Please welcome Ibrahim, a.k.a. Ibi. Hello, guys. Hello. Hi. Hey, Yasmin. Like uh, <laughs> that was a beautiful intro. I like that. That was awesome. With you guys. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I feel so hit on right now. <laughs> yes, that, was a, that was a great intro, Yasmin. You hyped Thank us up. Thank you. Are you guys excited for late night convos? We're just recording it this time, a little bit more formal. Oh my gosh. I'm so used to late night conversations, honestly. I think we've been joining this DSC call pretty much every night for the past hmm. couple months now. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's been it's been a bit, right? But it's really helped a lot with sort of school. So yeah, oh, yeah I don't know. Sure. It's Should been we explore great. how we all met in the first place? Right, Anyone? that's true. So how we met. Um, I actually knew Ibrahim just very, very briefly. Uh, he was my student um, back in the day when he was a first year. <laughs> I was a second year TA. Um, so we're just a year apart, but we met then and I sort of got to know him just briefly well, but I never got in real good touch with him, right? And I hardly knew you, Yasmin, right? And yeah. then we all sort of started joining this um, Discord community as COVID hit and such, right? The Discord mm-hmm. community is the DSC um, UTM community. And yeah, we all started just hopping on every night for a couple hours, started with like one hour, started with just even songs, I think. I think the first uh, starts of it were we started listening to music together, like a couple of us got in the chat and such and started just hanging out and vibing to music. Um, And then we started turning on our mics and talking and playing games with each other and among us. And yeah, I got to know you guys really well now. I definitely consider two Mm. of you some of my sort of closest friend circle at this point in my COVID life. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> oh, good life. And I think really we're really great. lucky, yeah. Yeah, 
Yeah, it was really great that I got to reconnect with like Ibrahim and I got to meet you, Yasmin. I had been a big mm-hmm. fan of your podcast, actually, and had reached out to you a couple wow. months ago and had never made good connections and such, right? But now that we started, mm-hmm. found each other over this uh, DSC um, Discord, right? A true was- love story. <laughs> exactly. We fell in love. And, you know, and next uh, week I'm going to propose and then we're going to sail off into oh the sunset. God. Oh, dear. <laughs> wow. Wow. This is, uh, not expected new insider intel for both of us in this podcast. <laughs> Gotta make the podcast interesting, honestly. If there's yes. not at least one proposal or one death, how can you call mm-hmm. that a successful podcast? That is Will very I appreciate true. the wed- wedding? I could be the pastor, priest. Oh, perfect. Person. Yeah. Perfect, Ibrahim. Yes. You'd be amazing in that role. Mm. Oh my goodness. Oh man, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, but um, what else have we done on this Discord chat? We've played games, learned about your anime um, world. <laughs> yeah, you've learned uh, yeah. a lot about anime. Yeah. What else have we mm-hmm. done, Ibrahim? Uh, we've mm. had two movie nights, which was really nice. Uh, oh, shout yeah. out to the DSC server. <laughs> yeah. Um, honestly, both of them were... Really Both good. of the events were really fun. The movies mm-hmm. were great. We played a lot of Jackbox and Among Us, which is really nice. It really helped, I don't know, make quarantine a little bit better. For sure. Uh, and a little bit less lonely, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've met so many like new people and stuff like that. Like I know, yeah. you know people from Scarborough now, a couple people from St. George and stuff like that. People who I had known before but didn't really ever get in close contact with. Um, Other mm-hmm. students, like, you know... Um, uh, maybe I won't like spout all their names, <laughs> right? But definitely like former students of mine who I really liked and really yeah. wanted to get to know together, but never had the capacity to in my labs and such. So mm-hmm. it's been really great creating this sort of like sweet UTM community. And I think we all really mm-hmm. cherish each other at this point. So it's been yeah. awesome. Yeah. I think we're very lucky too, because a lot of people, especially first years come in and they had, like know nobody mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. Right? Sure. I mean, we're like, if we're a few upper years, so I feel like we have our friends and things, but Mm-hmm. We still made a lot of new friends on this Discord chat, so that's always a benefit, yeah? Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. I know. I could think we're completely lucky. And um, like my brother, for example, is a first year in college right now. And so he's going through the highs and lows of trying to figure out and meet people and such, right? Mm-hmm. But it's been a bit of a dissonant experience from him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, definitely. I'm I'm happy with all the first years I've met over the DSC server who, is willing to, who were willing to put themselves out there and to get involved and such, because that's a really yeah. big step to take in first year, so... For sure. And the online format definitely makes it a little bit harder to meet new people, find friends and all that. I think in terms of the future, we're very, we're liking our present moment. We don't feel like, feel maybe too, do you guys feel like very hindered with online school and everything? Or, (laughs) I mean, obviously yes, but. mm. Yeah. (laughs) I think, I think maybe, maybe I'll speak for myself, but I think this also sort of speaks for Ibrahim. I think we hold it in a little more than we show it, right? Definitely our DSC is sort of our fun, um, happy moment of the day where we all get to hang out with friends and play games mm-hmm. and do things that we don't do all day. The rest of the eight hours, though, is spent looking at a screen, looking at a book, trying to figure out this class and everything like that, not being surrounded by your peers or people to help you study along the way and such, right? For example, um, the past in the past week, I think we've had maybe like three or four like um, uh, private, like just one-on-one study sessions with me and Ibrahim which we've just uh-huh. hopped on a call and we've just studied. And sometimes we like don't say anything for like 10 minutes, but we're just studying and encouraging each other to study. And sometimes Ibrahim's talking to his code. He's like, okay, so I'm going through this matrix. 
and I'm going row by row and then I import Numphy and it's just been really nice to have someone to talk to, have that sort of theoretical computer science rubber duck, you know, to mm -hmm. speak to your code and have a steady buddy and such, right? I definitely encourage everyone to get a study buddy, right? Have someone you can just hop onto a call with and just, even if you're in different courses or anything like that, right? I just hop on and just do some work together, right? I find that other person really helps. So mm -hmm. I've been grateful to have Evita help me study and help me get myself <laughs> more on track. Yeah, Are we getting buried? Why are you flirting with Ivy all of a sudden? Oh, I'm so sorry. That wasn't <laughs> supposed to come off flirtatious, but it's my natural aptitude. I just come off very flirtatious towards everyone I meet. You know? <laughs> so I guess like in the future, I know that we all have sort of upper education aspirations. How do you, what is happening with you guys right now? Because you're upper years, you know, there's uh, quite a few exciting years coming for you and the pandemic is not making things easier at an already quite stressful process. I feel like with grad school, what is your headspace for that? I guess anyone can um, take this. Well, I'm very nervous, not going to lie. Um, I mean, there's the regular stress of a of grad school and everything. I got to get good grades. I got to get experience. I got to fill out that resume, you know? But I do recognize that grad school will be looking at our class or at our years a bit differently since we're mm -hmm. taking online courses. A lot of these tests that we're doing are open book. They're a bit structured uh, differently. I actually got on a Discord call with a math professor in the physics club server uh, at some point and she was just telling us all that like grad school in general they're gonna they're, there's gonna be like a little mark next to our our year okay. saying you know, like where they should wow. be a little bit more careful because of these online grades you know okay. um so i'm not sure how i feel about that i mean mm -hmm. i i don't know how it's gonna affect my case in particular but i'm kind of nervous not gonna lie mm -hmm. how about you alex <laughs> oh, I'm deathly nervous. I think I choke up, like I get upset and scared and anxious and worried and self-doubting and I get imposter syndrome pretty much every day thinking about graduate school. I've been working towards getting into graduate school since about my third year. In third year, so I sort of had, it, had a year of TAing and everything. I really liked it. I really wanted to do research and stuff like that. So I pretty much ran into Andrew Peterson's office, which is uh, the faculty. <laughs> He's sort of like a upper member of the faculty at UTM um, Computer Science and such, right? He used to be on a graduate school um, acceptance panel, though, right? So I went up to him and I was just like, I really want to do grad school, but my grades are not quite there and I don't have an amazing resume. How do I build that up for the next couple of years, right? So yeah, I've done all of these sort of things and stuff like that. And I'm almost at the point where I just have to sort of hope that everything I've done is enough, you know, to get me to that point where I'll be one of the candidates they seriously consider and such, right? And the acceptance rates for graduate school too are really horrifying. I went to a graduate school panel at the St. George campus just the other day, right? It was a Zoom one, so not quite at this campus, but hosted by them. And they said the acceptance rate was about 10% for all people. And I was just like, oh, goodness. Um, they did say it was 20% for... <laughs> yeah, I hope so, right? They did say it was 20% for U of T students. And I'm like, okay, okay, I can deal with that, right? But it definitely gave me nightmares. Uh, what about you, Yasmin? Do you ever get those sort of fears or anything like that? Or are you really confident in yourself? Uh, for graduate school, yeah, I can sort of sense the um, imposter syndrome in some ways. But I'm still mm -hmm. a second year. I've thought of graduate school since I was in like middle school. So it's wow. always been something in my head that I wanted to pursue. Yeah. But now that you 
progress throughout the years, you're like, am I doing enough? Like, should I be doing something else? And then you don't want to like become corrupt. You know what I mean? You don't want to just do things because you, it will look good that you were a researcher at this place. That's just corruption. Don't do that. But it's kind of hard when there's a, like a timestamp. Let's say you have Mm -hmm. one year left. What are you going to, how can you figure out the meaning of your life and then find someone, a professor or something to convince, to get you to do some research with them. Right. Mm -hmm. There's that. So, hmm. Yeah, I definitely understand what you mean with the sort of ticking time and making sure you have enough. And also, like, you know, when I'm talking with my um, research advisor, right, he just says, okay, Alex, what do you want by the end of this course? And I'm like, I want whatever will get me into graduate school, okay? (laughs) Um, That's often how independent study courses are structured, right? You have an end goal and stuff like that. You lay that out for the professor, and then you pretty much work towards that goal for the entire semester, right? But it feels still a little bit odd saying, oh, I just need something to set me against my peers and such for graduate school, right? Yeah. Yeah, but they're very accepting and very open to working with people who are looking um, to do that and such, right? So definitely I have nothing but happiness for, you know, the mentorship I've been given in the last year. So mm-hmm. why graduate school, guys? Because oh, there's some people, so you can idolize graduate school, but at the end of the day, it is a lot of work, a lot of years, a lot of you trying to prove yourself that you deserve money or something to get the research, right? Why graduate school? That's a great question. My goodness. Triggers an existential crisis. <laughs> <laughs> Ibi, do you have an answer? Um, well, I really want to go to graduate school because I really want to take my education to the next level. I'm very passionate about physics i love learning about how the world works and viewing everything in like math and like how best can we describe everything in a cohesive theory right and i do recognize it would be near impossible to know enough to do research at just the undergraduate level there's just so much prior knowledge you need in order to start working on anything right there's all this math, all these math knowledge and skills you need, all the physics knowledge. Um, and then there's this mindset that you need as well that you train and learn over your entire education, you know, like uh, education career. So I just really want to learn more and start doing research. And I do recognize that the graduate levels when I have the best shot of doing proper research. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, no, for sure. I definitely sympathize with that sort of, um, I don't know, idea of like constantly looking for the things that push everything else, you know, like the things that are the next up and coming things in learning, right? For me, I don't know. Um, For graduate school, that's a really hard question because it has a little bit of a long story tied to it, um, which I I don't want to take up the whole podcast, but... No, do it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. No peer pressure in this uh, vicinity. So... University was never really my first option, right? Even undergraduate. Undergraduate was never my first option, right? I was in high school. Yeah, right? Which is really interesting to come back from that and turn yourself so into this academia kind of person, right? That we, I would definitely say we both are under that umbrella, right? But I had come to Canada a couple years into high school and uh, I just did not like high school at all. I didn't get along with anybody. I skipped massive amounts of days. I just got okay grades in my courses and such. You know, I was pretty smart, so I was able to keep myself afloat, right? And I was applying for colleges and universities and things like that, right? And I just sort of casually applied. I didn't really want to go to school anymore, right? Because school was really, really hard in high school. So 
I don't know. I just decided, okay, university, I'll give it a shot. My dad sort of convinced me. He was he walked with me around the campus and stuff like that. He's like, look, it's really nice here. Try it out. If you don't like it, it's totally fine, you know, but give it a shot. I think you'll really like it here. So I was like, okay, I agreed. And my first year really, really changed my life. I turned everything around. I started getting good grades. I stuck to my books and things like that. I don't know what happened in me because, you know, people are always asking, how can I turn my life around? How can I get things together and stuff like that? How can I be a better student and such? And I don't really know that it was anything truly that got myself together. I think if I had to accredit anything, it would be sort of the community that was built at UTM. I got to meet all of the professors and things like that. The professors really, really helped me push through that part in my life that I was trying to figure out who I am and where I'm at and such. So Mm -hmm. I really fell in love with, you know, the way they taught and the way they we're constantly smiling about computer science and things that are just so nerdy and so interesting and such, right? And we have such a great faculty here, you know, and that inspired me to, you know, stay in the program for another year. So I stayed through the first year of program. I got really great grades, right? Because I loved it there. I met new friends and stuff like that. You know, I had a boyfriend at the time and turned my life around and it got me out there in the point that I never was in high school. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, after I, uh, <laughs> after I uh, finished my first year, My second year started off on a bit of a weird note, right? Because two weeks into my second year, I was just going about my second year business, you know, 207 and stuff like that. Um, A professor came up to me, right? And uh, he was a fairly new professor. I'll I'll say his name because he's really nice guy. His name was Vincent Macchio. And he came up to me and he said, um, he said, hey, I had a TA who dropped out two weeks into my course. Um, I'm a new prof here and you were really great and came to my office hours. Would you like to TA for me? And I was just like, whoa, I don't know about that. Whoa. (laughs) I'm like, I pretty much freaked out. I called my mom and I called my dad and and I called my friends and I was like, I just got a TA offer. But it was so amazing because I was able to put myself out there and go to his office hours and take a chance on him. And he was willing to, in turn, take a chance on me, you know, mm-hmm. and I'll I'll never forget that, honestly. I think that was one of the best days of my life. So, yeah. And when I finally got to teach and stuff like that, I came out of my shell completely. You know, I was able to work with students and such. Ibrahim was actually my second group of students, which was amazing. I was a brand new TA. I had no idea what I was wow. doing. And you're was, my TA now. Yeah, and I'm yours <laughs> now, which is just wild, right? I was pretty much just running around like a chicken with her head all cut off. Like, okay, guys, now we're learning about Booleans, right? So yeah, that was a crazy story. And ever since I got to teach, um, I knew that I wanted to become a professor, right? And when I finally got into research, I knew that grad school was going to be right for me and that this was sort of the path. So yeah, I don't know. It, just because it meant everything. I think it brought me back from the dead in some sense. So mm. it was awesome. It was a great experience uh, university gave me. So yeah, I have nothing but praises wow. and happiness for UTM. I know, right? Sorry for boring you with my life story and such, but um, I don't know. I think it yeah. shows that you can always turn things around, you know, no matter where you think you're at. So mm-hmm. I'm going to take a sip of water. <laughs> take a sip of water, hydrate. But yeah, as you're drinking your water, it's important to note just like the little interactions that can change yeah. your life so drastically, right? Just one person needs to take a chance. Yeah. And you have to put yourself out there like you did, Alex. Maybe at the moment you didn't feel like going out and doing all these things, but you pushed yourself and you did it. And that's what you need to do, especially with burnout being like so common amongst all of us where oh my you just want to chill. Like that is definitely something. Mm-hmm. For sure, yeah. right? And it's really says a lot that professors remember you if you go to office hours. Professors remember you if you raise your hand in class. I think yeah. I just, I came in office hours maybe two or three times that semester, not crazy or not like religiously or anything like that, right? But I just want to always show up, be like, oh, you know, I really enjoyed this lecture. I really wanted to know more about this and such, right? And 
even if you're mm. willing to put yourself out a little, people will give you the opportunity. Once you look for opportunities, opportunities start to throw themselves at you, right? Mm-hmm. And I promise, even if it doesn't seem like that now, it definitely will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm really grateful. So, But I love graduate school. I love research now. I'm really excited. I'm really worried. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be worth a shot. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so is this why you guys want to be professors as well? Because I'm thinking of it as well. I don't know. Both of you like teaching, right? Mm-hmm. You said you want to be professors why? What is this? Do you want to like educate the future generations and give the same inspiring experience that you guys had as undergrads? Or is there an ulterior motive? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's called getting paid. Oh, it's true. The massive amounts of money do help, right? Uh, (laughs) I definitely think that's not a closed case, though. I think the money helps Mm -hmm. uh, seduce us in a sense, but I don't think it's the reason we would show up to a job every day, you know? There are a bunch of jobs out there that pay really, really well, right? But aren't nearly as fun as teaching. Um, But yeah, Mm -hmm. Ibby, why do you like teaching? (laughs) Uh, I don't know, man. I just really like teaching people. I have been a tutor for about like five almost six years now since high school Mm -hmm. uh for most of that time I was just doing it for free um just to help out whoever needed some help and only recently uh started teaching as a job I don't know I just really like okay I mainly tutor physics and math and I Mm -hmm. really like sharing the things that I'm excited about I like Mm -hmm. math I like the logic of it I like physics I love learning about everything you know hand waving <laughs> um but just math and physics in particular they really excite me and I like to share that excitement with other people mm-hmm. so usually when I'm tutoring people it's those who are not I don't want to say struggling mm-hmm. but having a bit more trouble in a certain topic than most mm-hmm. and like my main focus is to help them like get a better grade and like understand the material so that they could get a better grade but mm-hmm. I also try to like show them why the things they're learning work the way they do. That's like, hard. I'm to, it is a little bit hard, but like I ended up teaching one of my students this year fields why one plus one can be equal to zero, oh, and oh, this God. kid, his mind was blown. <laughs> <laughs> Rightfully so, honestly. <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't know, like, for the first time, like, I was with this kid, he was actually excited about math, and I really like that, I really like seeing people get excited about it, and, mm-hmm. like, he started out, like, I, I honestly, I asked him straight up, like, what does he think about math uh, when I first started tutoring him, and he just straight up told me that he doesn't really like it, it's just, like, mm-hmm. he just needs help for a better grade to pass mm-hmm. high school, you know, and at this point he's actually asking me questions about math he's asking me about things that are outside the course and i started teaching him a a bit of uh 102 stuff just for fun you know oh, on the side <laughs> 102 true. and fun that should be in the same sentence but that's awesome <laughs> that he took to it though and that he actually was interested about things as complicated and as difficult as fields you know mm-hmm. I have I don't know, a lot of my just... 108 students always harass me about, can you help me with the fields <laughs> question? I'm like, whoa, wait a second. I'm not a math TA. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah, I definitely I definitely relate to that excitement of the course and the knowledge and things like that, right? I think my favorite thing about teaching is probably like that aha moment, you know, when they finally get it and they're finally able to figure it out. Like, that's so good. Yeah, right? Oh, my goodness. Everyone's great. Ra- we're all raising our hands in the in the 
voice um, video call, but in the, yeah, exactly. But I just love it when people are finally able to get it and they feel so satisfied because even though I help them, even though I'm like, okay, what does that for loop mean? What are you doing there? Right. Even though I help them and I sort of guide them, they did it all on their own. My hand never touches their keyboard. Right. Like I never Mm -hmm. write any of the code for them. They always do it all themselves. Right. So the satisfaction Mm -hmm. of knowing that you did this and you overcame it, even if you needed help and even if you needed support and stuff like that, it's just so great. Right. And when code finally works, guys, it's the most amazing thing. We've all taken CS courses we know how it feels <laughs> oh, to boy. be debugging for hours and then finally getting it to work it's just oh my goodness there's no euphoria like that okay <laughs> well yeah, not when you point- spend oh yeah, yeah go uh, ahead it's because you're mainly just pointing them in the right direction you're not te- yeah you're not telling them the answer they're still figuring not. it out for themselves mm-hmm. it's just sort of like some people just need a bit of guidance and that guidance once they have it it's sort of like, yeah. aha, yes, I know how to do this, you know? For sure. It's really yeah. teaching them how to think, you know? I think math and physics and CS are all very similar in that it's a different mm-hmm. way of thinking, you know? You actually have to reconstruct how you look at problems and stuff like that and rethink about how you how would you approach things and such, right? Like CS, you know, for the longest time, some people, some of my students just don't get it, right? They'll just try and try and they don't get it and it doesn't click with them, right? And then one day the sky is like slightly more blue or something, right? And they look at their code and it finally clicks with them. They're able to think of it in a different way. They learn about it in some different sense. They get a different explanation and they're finally able to figure out the problem and think about it in the correct way, or at least that just that portion of code. I think that's really amazing and stuff like that. And I just love to learn how people think and how to get people to learn too, right? Because if we figure out how people learn in a sense, it can help like, you know, with all sorts of things in every field and every subject and such. So I think education is just so special and such, and that's really why I want to teach. So, How about in fields that are sort of classified as quote-unquote difficult, like math, physics, computer science? These are very, like, you know, hard courses. How do Mm. you pass that sort of hardness, if that makes sense, to get the motivation to continue pursuing problems and then seeking help for teaching and things? Like how? Is it just because you guys like it so much and it's just it pushes you and to continue to learn and pass through the hurdles? Because I feel like this is something everyone goes through, especially for math courses. I didn't even think about that, honestly. Um, That's a really great question Mm -hmm. because these are like extremely difficult fields. When you think of the top most difficult field in the world that you can learn, it's math. Everyone struggles with math. I did horrible in my first year of calculus. I just tried to pass and such. And, you know, yeah, how to motivate people. It's really not so easy. I guess the reason why I'm motivated is because I can sort of see the end goal. I know at the end of this, I really want to get a computer science degree. I really want to finish my bachelor's and stuff like that. And I'm constantly looking towards that end goal as opposed to the minor steps, right? For example, in 209, I had a really, really hard time with it. But I know I needed this course to get to the end results that was my degree. So I pushed through and I powered through and I had the correct motivation. I see a lot of first year students, especially in 108, who come into 108 and are there because their parents want them to take computer science and have genuinely not a lot of interest in computer science. And they end up doing a lot worse than they ever thought they would because they don't have that same motivation. I think passion is everything, right? And I think if you're passionate, even if it takes you an extra year, an extra two years or whatever, you will get there. You will get to your end goal. I just think that you need the right mindset and motivation to get to that thing. And so that's why I think that for life science students who don't necessarily need calculus to the crazy degree that me and Ibrahim will, I think they're just trying to push through it and grind through it, right? Um, Mm. What do you think about that, Ibrahim? (laughs) 
I mean, there's nothing wrong with just learning enough calculus as a tool yeah. for the degree. Like, there's completely nothing wrong with that. You don't have to like math or physics or CS. Also, like, if you're getting a degree in it, I would, I don't know, hope <laughs> that you might like it. <laughs> at least a little uh, bit, right? <laughs> just a little bit, at least. Like, at least toleration, you know? But, like, if you're getting past the hurdles of CS or math and you do like it, but you're just struggling with it, I do believe a lot of it is just practice and looking at it from different angles. Like, looking at different examples, looking at it from different viewpoints. I find... Right. When teaching math, I have maybe dabbled in proofs at the high school level when, sorry, for teaching high school level math, just so that they could see like how, what they're doing, whatever it is they're doing works in that way. Because that different, how do I say this? That different like explanation, that way yeah. of thinking. Yeah. Instead of just thinking, oh, this is a thing that's always true and you're not allowed to question it. It's just like mm -hmm. a thing that happens. I find that people like aren't very interested in that, you know? Mm -hmm. It's sort of like just For saying, sure. hey, this is a fact and you just have to accept it. But if they see like let's say the definition of a limit, for example, like if you're looking at Raymond integrals or whatever, I don't know. Showing them step by step the logic of whatever it is you're looking at kind of gets them more interested, you know, it makes them mm -hmm. think a little bit more about the problem, it makes them understand why it is the thing they're doing works the way it does, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I think in um, elementary school, we're taught to like always, or at least grade school, we're taught to always be critically thinking about things. In yeah. history, we're, we're thought to consider, you know, sure, what the Nazis did in Germany was really bad and stuff like that, but what was the people like? What were, you know, the young people who had no, no higher ranking in the military like? What was their experience, you know? We're taught to crit critically think at all points and to question things in all sort of subjects. So to be blindly accepting things in math, I think is not really the proper approach to it, right? You don't really care if you're just blindly accepting an integral and stuff like that. You want to see why the integral works the way it does and why it's important too. Like, what can I use this integration for? What does it make? What does it happen? You know, like Ibrahim's doing a bit of research right now on some robotics and such, right? And when he explains to me why those robotics are super, super important and why we need them potentially for medical uses, for, you know, um, going into huge rockets and things like that. I think that's so interesting. And I know that, that integration and that everything Newton did was super important, right? So once I figure out, you know, the motivation and the reason there, I think that, you know, learning becomes a lot better no matter how difficult the subject may be and cs and math i will not um pretend i will always tell my students this course is hard you will have to work really hard that's just a fact of it right it's super super difficult no matter who you are but as long as i know that and as long as i know where their motivations are and if it's in the right place i think they'll do okay and they'll be okay in the end no matter which way it goes in the, right <laughs> i'm just jabbering yep. on. <laughs> No, totally. I totally agree with that. It's just because <laughs> in the beginning you come in and you don't expect people to tell you this course will be hard. So then you oh, do yeah. it and you're like, oh, wait, this is really hard. I don't know what to do. But yeah, <laughs> I totally sure. agree with that. Yeah. Ibby, what are you doing with the robots? Hold up. Um, Can you oh, okay, yeah. so I'm not actually what doing anything doing? like absolutely crazy. Uh, I am Hold just on. a volunteer. <laughs> <laughs> we know. Yeah, keep going. Sorry. <laughs> I, I am just a volunteer researcher and um, like juggling robotics club and classes. I can only allocate so much time to research, especially with like working at home uh, mm -hmm. where I can barely focus while my family's awake, you know? Oh, yeah. um, 
But yeah, what I'm working on is I'm basically making a model for a continuum robot that is tendon driven. So it's a little bit hard to describe without or understand without like seeing a picture of it. But think of a robot that is in a similar shape to a elephant's trunk. This robot has a main backbone with a bunch of discs going along the, the backbone. And then it has tendons, tendon channels on the sides of the robots that help move it in a certain direction whenever you pull on a particular tendon. Whoa, it's a human. <laughs> it's, oh. it's more like a tentacle or like a trunk or... Um, but it behaves in the same way that a human lib does to some extent, right? Yeah, like I your guess... fingers, for example. Like you would yeah. have tendons pulling on your finger and it moves in a certain direction. Same thing happens within a robot in a 2D sense. So I've been volunteering since the summer. I started out just trying to model this kind of robot in C++. This is just so that we could have predictions of how a robot would behave before we actually build the robot. I was able to get it working for a single disc, not so much for like a robot of n discs, so like however long the robot you want it to be. So I'm still working on that in the background. Right now I'm working on trying to figure out how friction would affect these kinds of models. And honestly, that's, I'll be honest, that's kind of more interesting to me because mm -hmm. I get to see the kinematics and hopefully maybe get to like test it in real robots, like see how friction affects the degree a robot would be able to bend a certain direction, for example. Mostly friction is uh, usually treated as measurable, kind of ignore it, it's too, much, too small of a force. But at certain angles, or at certain tensions, like it plays a much larger role, and therefore our model becomes more inaccurate at those points. Um, apologize if this sounds boring at any point. <laughs> no, so cool. Keep going. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's pretty much what I've been working on so far. The entire CRL lab, though, like they've been working on some crazy stuff. Not gonna lie, we're talking about origami robots, soft robots, magnetic we actuated robots like it's just, wow. just so cool and there's a lot of talk about applications about how we could use it in the medical sense like how we could use uh it to assist surgeries remote mm -hmm. surgeries that's another thing that's really cool wow. um wow. like that's really important work right yeah that's like, amazing and just to recap right the clr is um a robotics lab at utm right in deerfield hall so I think exactly. it's crazy that it's important, really meaningful work, like things like surgery and stuff like that are happening right here at our campus, not even at the yeah. glorified downtown campus, right? Yeah. It's you so shaved downtown. Yeah. You're shaving um, downtown. Oh, yeah, I was a little bit shady, but downtown does a lot, a lot of work, right? And we know this yeah. and, you know, the university knows this and like that, right? So it's really good to know that we're still doing very meaningful stuff, extremely meaningful stuff here at UTM yeah. and such, you know? Mm -hmm. There's sort of a reason why we're a part of this sort of big tri-campus community and I think that community mm -hmm. has really blended even closer over this whole you know pandemic but that's yeah. a completely another thing I think that's amazing I, I totally love the work you've been doing mm -hmm. Ibrahim right I've loved helping with the python code here and there it's <laughs> like that <laughs> with the numpy oh, wow. more of the packages but uh yeah <laughs> I think it's really great work honestly and I'm really excited to see where it takes you hmm. yeah I'm excited too. Like this, this is some pretty awesome stuff, and I'm so freaking thankful to like Jessica Burner Cars because like mm -hmm. I essentially just walked up to her at a Q and A and I was like, "Hey, I really want to do research. How can I, 
how do I get into this? Yeah. And she just called one of You're her in. PhD students. Yeah. And yeah. Like, she just uh, said, hey, you can volunteer. And I'm That's like, amazing. whoa, thank you. I am like, I don't know. I'm just so happy to be a part of the lab. You know, like For just sure. even as a volunteer, just like sitting in on the meetings. It's insane. That's awesome. It's like that. I love like knowing that there's a lot of other meaningful work that the graduate students and things like that are doing and such in the continuum robotics lab. That's cool. Honestly, mm-hmm. you have such a great story, Ibrahim. Mm-hmm. You say it's not much and everything, but I think it's super it cool. Is. Yeah. And I think robotics is like a big <laughs> growing field here, especially at UTM. Like robotics has been the direction that we've been moving in the past couple of years. So I think it's super important stuff. And I think future students would like, you know, be really interested in that kind of work that you're starting for them right now. So yeah, that's cool. Yep. I love how both of you had the same reaction of someone just telling you like, yo, you want to be a TA? Yo, you want to be a researcher? (laughs) See, it's just that one. It's true. And actually the, how I got into research too was exactly the same way Ibrahim did. It's crazy. I walked into Andrew Peterson's office. I was like, I need to get into grad school no matter what. (laughs) And then he's like, okay, first sit down, breathe a little. I have a little bit of a research project you can work on. We can do a 492 together. Does that sound good? You can also reach out to other professors if you want. I know which ones are available and stuff. And I'm like, really? For me? It was so (laughs) great, honestly. And so I've been really happy with him. And I've been working with him for the past year. And Now we're even considering turning that year-long project into a year and a half-long project, which I don't know if he could tolerate another six months with me, but, you know, it's going to be really great in the end, and I'm (laughs) super looking forward to everything that the future entails with, you know, my current research and even my next upcoming projects, so. Yeah. No, it's crazy. All it takes is that one, one professor, you know, and we have professors that are willing and looking for students and such. Definitely something to, you know, consider and such. Yasmin, are you looking towards any research stuff? I know this is like a podcast on me and Ibby, yeah. but I'm super interested. No, I can be part of the conversation. <laughs> Absolutely, I think you should. I'm like pre-evolved to you guys. I'm trying to see what I like and what research I can get part right. of because I tend to overcommit to a lot of things. That's one of my vices. <laughs> I will admit to this readily so I can be held accountable. So... What I've been doing is just trying to reduce the amount of commitments that I have that don't relate to sort of my graduate plan per se. So I've been mm-hmm. trying to get into AI research. Like I've joined a couple of societies in our university and trying to see nice. how that fits in to the neuroscience scheme of things. But I haven't pursued research research as of yet just because I there's like two ways I can do this. Either I go mm-hmm. full on life science mode where I go into like a neuro lab or I can do like computer science stuff. And that's a very, mm-hmm. I guess, technical route. What I'm trying to look for is an intersection between the two, which is a little bit difficult, but um, that's sort of where I'm headed. So I'm trying to research, trying to look for professors. That's kind of why I look up to you guys in a lot of ways to sort of see how you started. What? Why are you doing that? My heart. My heart. heart. Just it it fills every time someone says, I look up to you. I'm like, what? No, I do. But it's it's mean you don't have to pick one or the other, right? You know, even if you do bio stuff for a year and stuff like that, and then you switch projects entirely, you do CS stuff for a year, you know, it's good to have both those fields, right? I definitely like would never want you to limit yourself because you have crazy aspirations from the times I've talked to you, right? So I just want you to seek all of them within reason, of course, right? You know, don't don't kill yourself over it, but uh, it's definitely something to that's look for. That's true. Yeah. Something that's actually very interesting that I watched a documentary on was humane technology. Have you guys heard of this? No. Humane, humane technology. technology. So basically, um, 
a lot of the current, I guess, social media, we all know this, like Facebook, Instagram, whatever, they create their platforms in a very addictive way so that they basically get max revenue from all the ads and things. Mm -hmm. Humane technology is sort of this field where it's actually like a company, but it's also kind of like an emerging field where you have people who are in the neuroscience space, psychology space, who are actively working against things that, for instance, Google or Facebook create. They have a lot of psychologists, they have neuroscientists trying to make this technology as addictive as possible. Like you have a thousand psychologists trying to make Instagram as addictive as possible. Can you guys believe that? That's crazy, Mm -hmm. honestly. And it works too. I swear to God, I'm scrolling for half an hour and my time flies by, you know, I think I'll be on for five seconds to check, you know, what my friend, what Ibby's up to, you know, but then I'll be scrolling (laughs) through forever looking at memes and things like that. It's super addictive and it's unhealthy especially for people who are younger and such I can see younger kids Mm -hmm. and I think that affected me a lot as a teenager right I won't say that's the root cause of my sort of sadness in high school but definitely looking at all the other girls going out to parties and things like that having friends I compare myself to all their little beach vacations and things like that right and it's Mm -hmm. really it really is inhumane I will say so I think it's really great that there's been more and more I think the ethical studies have like uh, two uh, have gone up by like two um sorry 200% they have been an increase in like moral studies in computer science and such I'm taking an ethics course right now in computer science Mm -hmm. we had a couple guest speakers who work specifically on ethics and things like that within banks and within AI algorithms and such I think it's super important stuff everyone needs to look at it though not just social media people game designers you know software creators all sorts of things anything that affects a person's daily life phone creators I think those things are super addictive and super careless and needless you know it's sort of shifting you into buying all of these different things like microtransactions and things like that you know the targeted ads I swear to goodness I get so many plushies and they know I love plushies like like all sorts of unicorn plushies and things like that on my Instagram and I love it every time I'm like oh it's only $15.99 that's not too bad you know it's so oh my goodness it's not great honestly Uh, that's a really great field though and I really hope that that Mm. more people start to realize how important it is to look at these things and look at things like you know gotcha games and all sorts of stuff and realize (laughs) that those things are really really toxic right we joke about (laughs) I'm shading one of our friends who's into Genshin Impact right now no 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 I'll keep him him. I shade him publicly in his first year so I can't do that again (laughs) but it's really important work, right? And it really needs to be looked at. And I just think a lot of people don't understand it or don't care about it at this point, right? And yeah. that's a tragedy, in my opinion. That's a, you know, ear lost in a sense. Yeah. So that's cool, actually. Definitely link me to that documentary. I'd love to watch it. Yes, I will. It's the social dilemma. There's kind of like controversy around it, but I think the general message is very important. So. Oh, yeah, okay. I did watch that, actually. Yeah, you watched it, right? Yeah, I, I have. Yet, actually. I watched it with I my parents and they kept giving me... Me and my brother's looks every now and then. <laughs> oh my goodness. Why is that? Because you guys are on social media and such? Uh, I mean, like we're on our computers a lot. We kind of have right. to with COVID, yeah. online school. For sure. But, you know, like they also get a little bit concerned that we spend too much time on social media or other things or yeah. like we're on the computer too much for non-work related mm-hmm. reasons. And I understand that because I really... I, I don't really like the idea of social media, like especially yeah. for kids, young kids and their development. Oh, yeah. Um, sure. I'm glad I only got into social media like when I 16 or 17, even mm-hmm. now I don't use it that much. But yeah. like I can definitely see how addictive it can be. Like Instagram, 
Facebook, constantly scrolling. Reddit. Um, yeah, Reddit's very. Uh, I am guilty of being of scrolling scrolling quite a lot through Reddit posts and through mm-hmm. communities. Not to mention YouTube and YouTube recommended, oh, yeah. always knowing what oh, I want God. to watch at two a.m. You know, I um, swear I've gotten in those spirals where it's just hours and hours. Like the whole day will go by on YouTube, right? Just mm-hmm. watching like cat videos and then going to giraffes giving birth and then giving to all sorts of weird things and stuff like that that I don't need to know. I don't need to care yeah. about this kind of stuff, right? It's just addictive and it's just sort of you know has clickbaity titles and such. You know, the way that YouTubers even run their YouTube like um account and such are really geared for addiction and such you know there's been a bunch of them where it's like oh who knows me better win ten thousand dollars like there's crazy stakes on the line and everything's just bloated and none of it seems very real in the end of it you know it seems a little bit uncanny i don't know and that's an understatement for sure yeah i think the main problem with that is just that they're playing towards the youtube algorithm whatever Mm -hmm. will get them the most amount of views whatever will get them on trending is the content that they post you know uh because this is technically how they make money and Mm -hmm. they want to make more money you know um it's just natural it's their jobs at that point um but youtube doesn't help no for sure and you can't blame them for using an algorithm in the end because there are just hundreds of thousands of videos uploaded daily and things like this. I think there's millions of videos uploaded daily. They can't possibly look through all of these ones and figure out which are the best for people and such, you know? They use an algorithm, and this algorithm, I think it changes depending on what's trending and things like that. So there's a lot of different components to it, and how ethical is this algorithm in the end, you know? Do the people who get the most watches really on the trending tab? Or is it people who potentially pay for their spot, you know? Like they said mm-hmm. that there was like 50% of them were like social media, you know, or uh, mainstream media sources and things like that. So like Fox and CNN and things like this. You know, where are the independent creators? Do they ever get a chance to bubble to the surface? And I'm just not too sure about that. So mm-hmm. See, that's the thing, though. Like we're basically in a mental state of like warfare with all this stuff. Like there's so many things competing for our attention and we still have like so much to do especially in terms of school like school is almost non-forgiving in some ways you Mm -hmm. need to like focus you need to stay on top of your work but then you're also met with all of this digital noise that's constantly Mm -hmm. competing for your attention it's like what do we do like this is our aren't we the first generation to face things like this and still try to do quote-unquote normal i guess ways of life (laughs) i believe they're the first generation generation that oh sorry after you alex I was just going to say, our generation is really an odd one in the sense that, you know, I didn't necessarily grow up with, you know, a smartphone and things like that. But when I became a teenager and things like this, when I turned 12 or 13, I got a smartphone and I got on social media and everything. So I guess we're really the test generation to see, you know, how all of this affects us in the end, right? In the long term, how did getting on, on Facebook at 12 years old affect me in the long term? And I don't know. It's really odd in a sense, you know, when there's really no precedent for it. You know, the world's never seen any sort of technological innovations that we have today and in the past 20 years. Yeah. What were you going to say, Ivy? I'm so sorry for cutting you off. <laughs> you know what? It's okay. I kind of forgot. <laughs> but yeah, I kind of agree with you, though. Like, I do think that we're part of the first. I like millennials as well. Like, they were also yeah. on the internet a lot. But I feel like they got onto like social media a little bit later in Mm -hmm. their development than us um most people i know got on facebook when they were like 12 or 11 or 13 like our age group kind of yeah and 
yeah, it should be interesting to see how that affects us and our psyche. I really mm-hmm. worry for the younger generation because, like, oh, yeah. um, growing up, like, as a five-year-old and you have access to Twitter, to yeah. Xbox oh, game, aim, uh, you know, like, live, where you can talk to people. Um, oh, for sure. Like, I don't mean to sound like a like a boomer, but I cringe every time <laughs> I see a two year old or a three year old on an iPad. Like they're in their shopping cart and they're on their iPad, and their mom's perfectly happy, right? Because they don't have to worry about this kid, like you know, running up and down the sidewalk and everything like that, right? Mm-hmm. They're just content on their iPad for just so many hours of the day, right? I have no idea how that's going to affect that generation. This is going to be something super crazy and such. From a psychological standpoint, especially, I think, right? And it's interesting, Yasmin, that you're studying sort of psychology, right? Because I think that techno- uh, technology and psychology are going to have such intertwining connections in the future. And I definitely think it's well worth studying what the effects of technology are on our psyche. Yeah, and the use of it as digital pacifiers, that's like so concerning. But mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh. So you guys like to game a lot, though. So oh. how does this all fit into it? Let's delve into why you game a lot. I want to know why. What are you, is this a digital pacifier of yours? Oh what is happening? There was a moment of absolute silence. And then she's like, so you guys like to game? And I'm like, uh-oh. Here we go. I've oh. always wanted to know this. It's a world I don't know. It's a world you guys know. Okay. Yeah, I definitely Alex, say you, you, you're, you're me first. No. After you, Ibrahim, please. I've cut uh, you off too many times in this. <laughs> no, man, it's cool. <laughs> oh, no, I insist. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like you're pretty curious about this yourself, aren't you? <laughs> this is a great question, honestly. And I've sort of, as I write this sort of, um, you know, ethics thing I'm doing for my course right now, right, on gaming and addiction and stuff like that, right? I have looked a lot at my gaming habits and such, you know, as I entered university, I noticed the major change I one of the major things I did, including, you know, changing my perspective, changing my point of view, making new friends stuff like that. One of the major things I did was I unplugged my gaming systems, I turned off steam, I uninstalled my games, I unplugged my PS4 threw it in the corner. I thought, no, I'm not going to get into any gaming, right? Because as soon as I touch that controller, even if I say, five minutes, I'll be on 10 minutes, I'll be on that's not going to happen. That's not an option, right? I would definitely say I was, um, and this is going to sound kind of corny, I was definitely someone who was a gaming addict in the past, right? I would definitely say, hi guys, my name's Alex. I'm here because I'm addicted to gaming, you know? Um, But truly, yeah, and I think that a lot of people don't really realize that that's a thing. You know, they'll be like, oh, everyone's into gaming, whatever. But if everyone's into heroin, is it really a good idea to normalize that, right? Like, I'm just trying to... But anyway, so how was I addicted to gaming? In high school, when I was severely, like, not with it, not in my class and everything, didn't really have a lot of people to talk to, I would log on at on Saturday at 1 p.m. and I would play until 4 o'clock. I would play Dragon Age Inquisition or Dragon Age Origins. And it's an RPG game, right? Where you are a character and all, you have a bunch of friends and stuff like that. And these friends and you, you go on different quests together. And it's completely immersive. You got to pick who you romance. You got to pick who you are best friends with. You got to pick who gets what gifts and what armor and things like that. And I just immerse myself in this world till 4 a.m. I would go to sleep, do the same thing the next day. If it was a, if it was a break time, I would do it for a week. I beat a 20-hour game in two days one time. Because I was wow. so heavily addicted to gaming. And people don't realize, you know, some people think that's a normal thing and part of their lives and stuff like that. But that eats you up inside. 
you don't get to build social um and Yasmin, you'll definitely know the psychology of this better than I will. You don't get to make any social connections. You won't get to make any, you know, you won't get to develop yourself as a person. You won't get to think for yourself as like that. You'll get to be just immersed in this game, using it as a coping mechanism to sort of shield out everything that's real. And that's exactly what I did. And I think it was an okay coping mechanism, considering that I could have turned to things, you know, like drugs and alcohol and all sorts of stuff, other coping mechanisms, but it's definitely not a healthy one. It's definitely not how I should have dealt with the problem. And I don't blame myself as a teenager looking back because I think any teenager would turn to things like gaming and such. They say, okay, sure, I can go drinking and things like that. Or I can just play some video games and just everyone leave me alone. So yeah, I don't know. Gaming addiction is so weird. So now I have sort of an on and off relationship with gaming, right? It's not my boyfriend or anything like that, but definitely I would call (laughs) it a relationship because I have to moderate how much I play games and I'm very self-conscious at this point. You know, if I pick up Animal Crossing for a day, I'll realize actually just in two weeks, just two weeks ago, I picked up Animal Crossing for one day. I played for three days in a row. I have to be very, very careful about how I get myself hooked on those games, right? And if I can, if I can utilize those gamings and those things I really, really love into my study habits, right? Like saying, okay, I'll play and then I'll time myself 15 minutes on my timer. I can play Animal Crossing. If I can utilize those things I super love and super are addicted to and make me really happy and such, I think it can be used as a good strategy. But I think when you overindulge in gaming, it's really, really bad for you. So, mm-hmm. Ivy, do you have anything to say on gaming as a also gamer and someone <laughs> who I would also say has maybe similar experiences to me? Maybe not as bad, but probably See, that was similar. really honest, though. That's very yeah. honest of you to say those things, right? So. Oh, yeah, I'm an open book. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Ibi, you will not escape this question. <laughs> okay, so I am a gamer. Uh-oh. Um, so I, where I really did not, like, get into social media until, like, later in life, until, like, 16, 17-ish, I got into gaming very young. I'll be <laughs> honest. My It was it's part of my relationship with my brothers. It's something that we yep. all did. Pokemon, Mario Kart, those are, like, oh, hardcore same. things of my childhood. I would spend a lot of time on the Game Boy. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I was addicted at that age. Uh, my mm-hmm. mom was very um, particular about how much time I spent uh, playing be. games. Yeah, yeah and it's it's good. I'm glad for her. It was like one hour a week on the last day of school, like which was Wednesdays for us. Um, yeah. So yeah, I wasn't. I, I I didn't have a dependency on it. Is what I'm trying to say. Or it wasn't like binge playing back then as i grew older like maybe in high school that's when i started like really getting into gaming where i spent Mm -hmm. a lot more time in in it i started playing a lot of indie games as well which i Mm -hmm. have many to recommend (laughs) (laughs) um and again like i try to not let it take it take over all my time but if it's like a five-hour game and i know I i have time to finish it in a night I, I I definitely do it, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't like playing really long games for days at a time, like Skyrim, for example. <laughs> uh, well, actually, that's a lie. Skyrim is the only game that I um, binged hard for a very <laughs> long time. I'm talking, like, playing for... It was summer vacation. I just mm-hmm. finished 10th grade. I spent three weeks in my room just playing <gasps> Skyrim, you know? Wow, that's that was, like, me. the that's the only time I've ever really binged. Maybe Persona Three. Uh, sorry, Persona Four. But you know, uh, we 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 don't talk about that. Yeah. Uh, I just mainly see gaming as like 
I, I do see it as an escape. It's a break. Mm-hmm. It's something to enjoy in my free time. I yeah. do recognize there are some games that I am a little bit addicted to. For sure. <laughs> um, but again, I try not to like go over overboard. I refrain to like mention any amount of hours I've been playing a certain game recently mm-hmm. uh, for fear of my professors slash supervisor listening into this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, but I, I, I do love video games. They are, yeah. as I said, I do view it as an art form, especially the indie games. Um, mm-hmm. Like, you could just get some really good stories from them, like just yeah. great experiences. Again, I got a lot of recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. Even as a like a gamer who got super addicted and stuff like that and has sort of had an on and off, I think gamings are beautiful. I've seen so many great games that have taught me life lessons and have really made me look at things in a different way. And I would definitely say changed my life. There's a, there's a lot of really inspirational stories and things like that I've learned. Just as a book, you know, can change the way you see things. A gaming is sort of just an interactive narrative experience, right? And that's why they actually teach a video games course in my English program. I took it. It was awesome, oh, right? Wow. Yeah, because mm-hmm. gaming is just another art form of experience and narrative. So we actually got to write like our own little, you know, just text-based indie games. And they were really cool and such. And we got to view it as a different experience. So even though I sort of don't like gaming in a sense that I know I can get really addicted to and I know it's like sort of a trigger for me in a sense to just binge and escape the real world for a couple of days. Um, I think it's really amazing. And I don't I would never say, you know, quit gaming altogether. Don't cold turkey it. Right. Definitely know and realize your habits like that. Track the hours. Right. Even though they're really hard to track how many hours you're playing a game every day or to figure out, just be aware of those things, right? Because once you start to be aware of them, you'll start to understand exactly where your time's being spent, how it's all going. And is that what really what you want? You know, do you want to be spending six hours a day on playing Skyrim, right? Do you really want to do that? <laughs> Will that help you get into graduate school? Is Does that contribute to your overall goals and stuff like that? Or are you okay? Because you know, you're only playing two hours a day and such. So it's just really something you have to moderate, I love gaming. I'm probably never going to give it up. It's been part of my childhood. I got my Xbox when I was five years old and have been playing since. And I got my Mm -hmm. younger brother into gaming. And now he's a, I know, right? Oh my gosh. I got my younger brother into gaming and now he's actually pursuing a game design degree at Sheridan College, which is crazy. You know, that's become his whole life essentially, you know, because he's found that to be such amazing experiences and everything. But yeah, definitely, you know, make sure you understand where you're at with gaming is that. Um, Yasmin, as a non-gamer, I want to ask you, what are your, what's your thoughts on gaming? Yes, well, I will say after what you guys have said, um, my scale has tipped a little bit to favoring it, but <laughs> I guess for me, I like, I definitely agree with you guys in the sense that the stories, the whole world experience, the arts, that's an amazing side effect of this entire experience. And actually, oh, yeah. some recent research, research, oh my god, why can't I say this? Recent <laughs> research, recent research. They actually use video games for Parkinson's, not Parkinson's, Alzheimer's disease patients because oh, wow. apparently like the the brain is wired to really like stories, right? If you look at like evolutionarily, people like to go around the campfire, tell stories, and everyone listens, and that's like that whole experience. Yeah. So games in a sense like that can can be similar. And for Alzheimer's patients, it's hard for them to follow through things. But if they use stories through games, it can be much easier for them to recall memories and things. So in that sense, I uh, like your video gaming experience. <laughs> what I don't like about it 
Mm-hmm. It's like you guys said before, if it's too much, like if it's excessive, yeah. if you're if it's detracting you from social interactions, if it's taking you away from things, if it's a coping mechanism that's that you're avoiding, you're avoiding a problem in your life because yeah. you just want an easy way out through gaming, right? That's mm-hmm. something that I don't agree with because that's just sort of taking the easy way out. But you know, it's like everyone does that. Not everyone wants to deal with things. They want to have a fun experience. I get that. But that's just one thing that I'm sort of mm-hmm. wary of. But yeah, I I like your guys' inputs on this. I do have to admit, like, it is, like, as you said, it can be an escape. Mm -hmm. And I do have to admit, at the start of quarantine, I have been playing a lot of video games. Like, uh, for most of the year, I haven't really been playing anything except for, I don't know, games that have, like, quick matches. Like, I've started playing a lot of story-based games just to, like, distract myself from the whole pandemic, from having to stay isolated in my room. Um, Definitely. And, like, it wasn't all bad. It was a good escape for a while. And Mm -hmm. I I did find some really good hidden gems. Like, there's this game, a game called Wander Song. It was such an adorable little game, a beautiful story, like, very wholesome. And I needed Mm -hmm. those wholesome vibes, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, but I do realize that I spent, like, I'll admit, I may have spent more than 100 hours in two weeks uh, wow. just playing games uh, yeah. over the summer. For sure. Um, I've definitely been there, Ibby. And mm-hmm. definitely at the start of this pandemic, too, I noticed uh, my grades were slipping in courses and stuff like that. I started CRing, you know, NCRing cor- um, all sorts of credits and everything just because it was really hard to deal with, you know, the realities like that. And I thought gaming really helped me through that sort of thing. I think that it can be used as a healthy coping mechanism as long as it's used in moderation and stuff, right? Yep. Um, I, I, yeah, I think it's so much better than a lot of the other coping coping mechanisms out there that you know people my age and things like that may turn to um, when they feel really hard and really worried with everything happening in the world right now, right? Um, mm-hmm. But I'm really happy that gaming was there for me when I needed it. But I know now where my goals are, and that everything sort of needs to align around my goals and you know who I want to be as a person in order to be successful and you know achieve that sort of success I've been dreaming for for so many years. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Gaming's great, but it's also yeah. it's also rough, right? And it's also hard. And that's why I really worry about gaming and children, right? Because children don't really understand who they are in a sense. They don't really know those things. They're still trying to figure themselves out. And so by playing games, they don't really figure themselves out in a lot of sense. You know, Call of Duty will not, you know, necessarily make you a better person in the end. You know, you need to go out there, have Mm -hmm. experiences, you know, have friendships, get friendships broken and things like that, right? Understand how people interact with each other. You need all of these things to grow as a person and you need these experiences really, really profoundly, right? So that's why I guess now looking back at it, I think me and Ibrahim do a pretty good job um, limiting our games. We have moments of slip up. Everyone does. But you know, as a kid, I really didn't understand that. When I was 15, 16, I had no idea that I was super addicted and I would never admit it and such. You know, my parents were kind of looking around me and they didn't really know what to do in a sense, you know, because I was just kind of a kid who was doing it as something yeah. and everyone else was doing it. You know, it's everyone normal. else was playing yeah. video games. They didn't think mm-hmm. two things of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no. So I just be cautious, you know, and especially if you're yeah. in university right now and you're like, oh, gosh, I love gaming. I'm not going to give that up no matter what. Don't. Definitely don't, you know, but understand exactly where your time's going, right? And make sure, you know, it's making you happy in the end. Because if it's not contributing to your happiness and such, and you're just playing it to sort of get away, that's not, you know, the direction to go in. So mm-hmm. I know yeah. I'm preaching, right? <laughs> no, I also yeah, feel like totally. there are two mm-hmm. types of games you could be playing when you're, like, trying Definitely. to find an escape. Like, there's the, like, story-based games where you, like, mm-hmm. just 
uh, lose yourself and escape in mm-hmm. like a whole other world. Like you don't have to worry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then there's like these gotcha games, these repetitive games, these like mm-hmm. idle games, addictive games. I, yeah, yeah. Like I know I've in my first year I spent a little bit too much time on that, and I didn't even enjoy mm-hmm. the game. I didn't even like playing it, but it was just sure. something that I kept doing over and over and over again. It's part of the reason why I really disdain gotcha games and idle games because they you know like they play with your psychology so you keep coming back to it i see yasmin laughing i know why she's laughing (laughs) you're calling out one of our friends oh my goodness but at least he's aware he know he knows he's playing a gotcha game right like you know we have this friend who loves genshin impact which sort of has microtransactions and all sorts of stuffs right um but at least he's aware of it right he's a consenting adult that knows he's spending this money he knows it's Mm -hmm. his money and stuff like that he knows where it's going and stuff he knows to at least moderate himself and to put his school first right so he's a really good student despite all of this, you know, despite playing these sort mm-hmm. of semi-addicting games and such, right? Mm-hmm. The thing where it really loses it is they have a term in uh, the gaming industry and they call these people white whales, essentially, right? Where they know they're going to be really hooked on this game, right? They know they're going to be really addictive. There are algorithms to find players who will get completely hooked on this game beyond belief, right? And will spend massive amounts of money. Apparently, there was a really sucky Transformers game that came out for mobile and it had all microtransactions and addiction and daily logins scores and stuff like that and there was a player who spent a hundred thousand dollars on this game in the microtransactions on the game keep buying the coal the gold and all sorts of the the different things right you know it's essentially just gambling at that point right you know you spin the wheel on the thing right you spin the um slot machine in the casino you know there's really no difference at that point and if they're not really consenting adults who understand or if they don't have the capacity or if they're, you know, if they're preying on the weak and things like that, that's where I just draw the line. I just cannot imagine being sort of a part of that world, right? I don't know. It's just mm-hmm. really morally a crazy world. Oh, I know, right? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, yeah, be yeah. careful, Yasmin. You might become a gamer soon. I, I will say I did I did have a pitfall. Call of Duty is just one game that I will say. I, it oh, is very – I like Call of Duty, okay? You got even though I don't like violence, it's just something about that game. So mm-hmm. I will I will agree. I have fallen into that as well. All right. Um, is there anything we want to talk about left over? I feel like we've talked a lot and we can probably carry this over. I didn't even realize the hour flew by like that. Oh, yeah. Wow, yeah. Crazy. Because Cray-cray. we talk every night, right? And we just, you know, the hours fly by when we're all talking to each other and having a great mm-hmm. time like that. So. Yep. Yeah, no, this has been awesome, though. Thank you so much for having me yeah. on the podcast. Yes, no problem. It's been like a secret dream of mine, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, can, you're, you guys are welcome whenever you want to talk. I mean, we call every day. We can just record one while we're... No, so that is true. We got to get Pardon. some of the other people. Maybe the gotcha guy. We'll get him in here. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great, honestly. Yeah. And I'm really happy to be here with Ibrahim, too, right? Because I think he's been mm. a really great friend and support and stuff like that. But he's also very similar to me in a lot of the senses, yeah. right? So I don't know. It's been such an honor to be around both of you for this last hour and such. So, And I hope that whoever's listening gets something out of this just as much as we have. So perfectly said and I'm, i hope that this podcast or this episode can be like a stepping point for you guys or a re- reference point like you're in the future you look back both of you have nobel prizes you're gonna look back that was me when i was a young child That's yes why are you shaking your head i love um, that you no, guys are probably that. gonna get the nobel prizes i'm just gonna be like 
A, oh, I need those like, people, you know? No, no, no. We're racing for it, bud. You We're better get it before me. You better try, I swear. I'm oh, going to no. push you to try to get that Nobel Prize right before yes. me. To Yasmin. And you guys heard it here. Wow. <laughs> Time stamp this moment in the multiverses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I won't forget this. This has been awesome. All right, everyone. With that being said, we can end this episode here. Thank you so much, Alex and Ibby, for coming on this episode. All of their links will be in the description if you want to stalk them. <laughs> and um, Ibby, if you want to recommend games, maybe I'll put it in the description. There we go. So we have some character oh, development. Oh my gosh, yes! Character okay. development. Okay, yeah. Uh, I just got a shout out Pikmin 3 Deluxe for my boy. That's yes. right. Pikmin 3 Deluxe. Peter. Oh. For our boy Peter, we have to. We have to do it mm-hmm. for him. So mm-hmm. thank yes. you so much, Yasmin. <laughs> thank you guys. We'll see you guys next time on the student spotlight. Bye. Alright. Take care. Oh my gosh, we're done.